Well, good morning. I'm excited to be in air conditioning. Edie and I went to an outdoor music festival this weekend in camp, so I just got my first shower, so I understand why nobody's in the front row. I get it. Um, well, when uh, I have a question for you. When you think of the last time when you felt like you lived every second of the day, when would that be? For me, it was in college. I had two friends that I became very close with. Um, we had loved to have fun, laugh, make jokes, do some minor pranks from time to time. Towards the end of my sophomore year, they played an April Fool's joke on me that felt so real, I ended up in tears. And I know that's hard for many of you to imagine. Um, so uh, after witnessing my reaction, they felt like total jerks, which they should have. And I know that Jesus says that we need to turn the other cheek, but... I just wasn't at the maturity level right then. So I decided a whole year went by, I wanted to up the ante. And it's important to remember, if you want any April Fool's joke to go over really well, you have to have people truly believe a false sense of reality. So I really went all out. Around Valentine's Day, I made up a fake boyfriend from back home, um, and over the next month and a half, I proceeded to make multiple phone calls to him while they're my presence, multiple texts. He was the best boyfriend I ever had. Um, I gave myself flowers and cards, and to top it off, I staged an engagement with a $10 cubic zirconia ring from Walmart uh, with a stand-in fiancé, and I even have photos that I showed them. This is the person that you've allowed to be on your leadership team. Uh, I guess these questions are not a part of our background check process. Um, the beautiful thing about it is that I had a bunch of family and friends that were included on the secret that really pulled this thing together to make this joke happen. And after a couple of days, I let them hold that thought for their mind in a couple of minutes. And on April Fool's Day, it rolled around and my two friends, they were shocked they were confused, and they were slightly mad at me, and um, I made them a video just trying to help them understand my whole process behind this, and at the end, I had 25 different people saying April Fool's Day over and over just to call it home, you know, just to make it real good. There's that saying that it takes a village, and it can be true in more ways than one. The church for me is that village, and um, a bunch of people are just coming together. They rely on each other. They laugh with each other. They walk through a hardship with each other, and it's just like trail mix in this series. There's some of us that are sweet, a little bit salty, and as for me, I'm a little nuts, okay? When you are a part of the village, you get to know each other and realize there are a lot more similarities than there are differences. So this month, we're walking through some of these key verses and dissecting how this applies to our lives. Our verse today comes from the book of Philippians, which is directed to this village of people. The Apostle Paul, while he was in prison in Rome, he wrote to the church he had planted almost 30 years after Jesus had died on the cross. They held a special place in his heart, and he really connected with them. His only worry was that as a church grows, there is going to be some division in the community. And because of our own humanness, unfortunately, that division and opposition still happens today. You can just look at the headlines, or if you just listen to people's story, there is that brokenness and betrayal in the church. Paul wanted to encourage them to keep going. And so he writes this in Philippians 1.27. 
Conduct yourselves as true and worthy citizens of the anointed gospel, so that whether I make it or I don't make it to see you, I will at least hear that you continue to stand united in one spirit, single-minded in purpose as you struggle together for the faith in the gospel. Paul needed to clarify that they were true and worthy citizens in this letter. During that time, there was this division, uh, tension, if you will, between the Jews, the Israelites, and the Gentiles. And the Gentiles were any person that just was not born Jewish. And after a while, some of the Jewish people liked to hold that over others' heads. And you can just imagine, if we were in that setting today, we would all be Gentiles and having to mix all of these people into this first church. And like any marriage, there are laws and traditions and questions and hardships people are going to work through. I'm sure people on either side, Jews or Gentiles, question if they were worthy to be a part of this church. This isn't the first church to ever experience this. The Apostle Paul also writes in his letter to the Romans, For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. So even though we are the same in God's eyes, I'm sure we've all had that feeling of inadequacy, whether someone has made us feel that way or we just have that struggle within ourselves. It's like playing a game at recess. I remember when I was in second grade, there was a game you got in a line. Um, There was somebody in the center, and they would call out a color, and you'd have to run across the field without getting tagged. If you got tagged, um, you had to be part of the people in the center. And I thought that game was super fun. However, once we got to winter, my dad got me this coat. It was real hip. It was puffy. It was warm, but it was also mustard yellow. Let's just say most kids weren't sporting mustard yellow in second grade. Um, So if the person started off the game, they knew full well all they had to do is say mustard yellow, and I'd be the one singled out to try to run across the field. Whatever that game is in real life, nobody, they want to be singled out. Inadequacies, shame, past hurts. They can easily reveal the cracks that we have in our soul. Does anybody remember that one Brady Bunch episode where the mom, Carol, told the kids, don't play ball in the house? Sorry to give away the ending. Spoiler alert, it's been 30 years, okay? Of course, the kids play ball in the house, and they break Carol's vase. Then they try to glue it back together, but it breaks again, hence the whole premise of the show. The cracks filled with the kids' glue were just not enough to hold it together. The Brady Bunch children, they should have learned the art of kintsugi. It is something for centuries the Japanese have found this beautiful way to fix broken pottery. And instead of just using metal staples, kintsugi is the art of fixing broken pieces using lacquer dusted with powdered gold to fill in the spaces. Each crack or imperfection now has beautiful seams of gold that glint with light, giving a unique appearance to the piece. Instead of hiding or disguising the imperfections, it now emphasizes and celebrates the fractures. Kintsugi often makes the repaired piece even more beautiful than the original, revitalizing with new life. And I love that. Emphasizing and celebrating the fractures. It doesn't have to be Jew or Gentile for us. Whatever the reason, we too are like that broken piece of pottery where we don't feel worthy sometimes. In the book of Jeremiah, the author talks about his potter, a uh, potter in his clay, and how the potter, God, 
takes his ball of clay, us, and molds it to his liking. And even when we are finished, there are still going to be times when those cracks and fractures happen. But what does God do? He just fills in those deep spaces with himself, with gold, and he sees us as true and worthy citizens. Once we begin to realize that we are worthy, we are able to see ourselves with the lens of how God, he views us. How each one of us with our cracks of gold, we're a part of the bigger picture. It's then when we start to realize what roles we can play in the bigger story. I don't know if anyone's heard of the Blackhawks before, but... um, small team. Last year, the Blackhawks uh, had two of their goalies injured, and they needed to use an emergency substitute um, that was available to either team that night. Enter in 36-year-old Scott Foster from Oak Park. He was the substitute goalie. He had not played professional hockey in 15 years, and a few hours before the call came in, Scott was in Oak Park working on his computer as an accountant. He said it was a surreal night, and once he suited up, he did not feel worthy for the ice. He had only 14 minutes on the rink, uh, but Scott stopped all seven shots he faced to preserve the Blackhawks' 6-2 victory that night, and he stole the show in Chicago. A 36-year-old accountant who hasn't played in 15 years took on the role as their MVP that night. Scott could have let unworthiness hold him back, and Satan, he loves when we do that to ourselves. He wants us to stay in that place. But God doesn't want us to stay stagnant and fearful. He wants us to flourish despite our flaws. Sometimes we don't want to volunteer, maybe here at Westridge or other places, because we think to ourselves, well, can we really do anything? I am certainly not qualified. I'm not smart enough. People have no idea what's in my past. But if we chose to look through the lens of true and worthy, we have gifts to share. You have the ability and the freedom to learn. You can use your past to encourage others where they are right now. Here are just a few examples here at Westridge. Maybe, you know, in in your day job, you don't get to do technical things, but here you could join the lighting, sound, or media arts team, and they provide this amazing space for us to get to worship here each week. Or Westridge kids or Westridge students, these kids are moldable clay. They just want to have fun. You simply get to learn about God right alongside them. There's no Bible degree required. It's just being present. My mom asked my daughter Edie the other day, she said, what do you think of Miss Rosemary? Do you like her, Edie? She's like, mom, or Gajima. She's like, I don't like her. I love Miss Rosemary. And this is just kind of things where kids and students, they want uh, people to be a part of their life and connected. And you can be one of those men or women in their life that really can affect students or children. Your story matters, so it's possible to also be a part of a community group. When you feel safe to share, it allows other people to learn and grow in their relationship. I could go on about pretty much any facet here, because everyone, they have a role to play. And we always encourage you to find an opportunity to do that here or within your own community of people. Once we find that, we need to remember to go forward in humility, patience, and love, And in turn, it provides us an atmosphere that engages others, and we all want to be a part of it. 
Paul goes on to say that we need to continue to stand united in one spirit. We are human. We have sin in our lives. And that unity can easily be broken because of our own selfishness, control, and that golden rule Lance talked about two weeks ago. There are things, two things that come to mind when I think of unity. First, the unity needs to start with ourselves, between you and Jesus. And that goes back to that worthy piece that we just talked about because we're building this focus towards Christ. And so when we do that in our own lives, are we continuing to stand united with Christ on a daily basis? Or are we in the driver's seat instead? It's hard because we can think that we can do life on our own terms. I am the first to admit that. I think I have a pretty good hold on my life, but I usually end up wrong. We need to simply ask for help and guidance when we are in those hard spots. Maybe it's sitting at a traffic light in a heated conversation that you really don't want to be in. You're at your desk at work, you're folding laundry, you're taking a shower. Wherever that is, it's just something as simple as drawing our focus back to him through our joy and our stress and in our pain. Secondly, if there's not unity between us and God, it's a challenge for us to come together as a church and unify. And I'm just also talking about the whole worldwide church. If we're truly united in one spirit, we're not worried about the most correct Bible version or what worship songs we're singing. Because if we come together in one spirit, we are focusing on loving as Jesus loved. Building up our world and not dividing it. The second that we let this thing be about people and man-made rules, rather than keeping the focus on him, that's when it can get sideways. Ephesians 4.3 says this, Make every effort to preserve the unity that the Spirit has already created with peace binding you together. We don't have to create that unity. God, he already did that for us, but we just have to continue day in and day out to guard that unity created by the Holy Spirit. A beautiful picture I heard once of guarding unity was how female elephants, they stick together. In, uh, when one mama elephant is ready to give birth in the wild, there needs to be protection from predators. There is no elephant birthing center that I'm aware of out in Africa. So all of the females, what they do is they back up towards um, the mom in the middle and they form a circle like this. Isn't that amazing? Eventually, the mama giving birth is unseen. Uh, and to continue to throw off any scent to attackers, they stomp the ground and they kick up the dirt. And the one elephant who's in the center, who's tired, she's vulnerable, and struggling through her birth process, is surrounded by 40 tons of fierce bodyguards. Once the baby is delivered, they continue to kick the dirt onto the little one to protect its newborn skin from the hot African sun. And despite the odds and the harsh reality of the wild, they unite together and they all begin to trumpet its new celebration. This spring, we started some table groups with women of Westridge and over 50 women came out one night and we divided them into groups. And I'm sure a lot of them were nervous and a little excited to meet other women, but not knowing what to expect. After the first few meetings, I had wrote to the group leaders the other day to encourage them Because any group or any relationship that you start, it has this getting-to-know-you process, and that can be challenging. And it's just important to connect um, and foster that trust within the group. 
Once these women feel safe, someone is bound to be like that one elephant in the center of the circle, struggling and needing support. And as a church and community, we need to speak truth. We need to encourage each other, and we need to point it all back to Jesus. Because we don't have to be the fixers of the situation, even though we think we can, because he is the ultimate fixer. For ourselves, are we choosing to speak life into others daily? Are you coming alongside those who are struggling with a listening ear? Can we be a trusted, safe place for those closest to us? Because that's exactly what Jesus did in his life. We may not be going through the exact same hardships, but I would just caution you that pain is pain no matter who we are. We have to be careful not to judge one another and what we believe is more painful because when we do that, we are not uniting with each other. And at some point in our lives, we are all going to be like that one elephant in the middle of the circle, struggling and needing support from each other. Authenticity is what we need, and we will build together and connect us in a way that we have never imagined. Jesus in his ministry, he was right there, meeting people in their pain, the adulterous woman at the well, the people who lived their life in shame just because of their physical condition, even right up to the cross where he listened to the criminal crucified next to him. He listened to each and every one's struggle, and he walked them through it together. For me, one season I felt like people walked beside me was when our daughter Edie was about one year old. We had lost a baby, and it was early on. I didn't really share it with anyone, but I remember coming to church that following Sunday, and we were still very new here. We didn't know a lot of people, and I remember Darren came up to me in the cafe that morning, casually asked, how are you doing? And of course, I let everything out, (laughs) and he kindly encouraged me. And later that morning, Norton Whitney, who is no longer with us, he just listened to this young mom cry, her eyes out, and he prayed with me. I know neither of them have ever been pregnant, not that I'm aware of, Darren, I'm not sure. Um, But I know that they have experienced struggles and burdens in many other ways. And that is one of the reasons that Eric and our family is a part of this place. Because we want to be in a community that we are not afraid to walk alongside others in the hard, cracked places of our lives. Paul ended this verse with, as you struggle together for faith in the gospel. Paul understood it as he was chained to a table under house arrest, a man who ended up martyred for his faith. And if you don't think Paul's burden is enough, just take a look at Jesus because Before he was arrested, he spent his time weeping in the Garden of Gethsemane, asking God if it was his will to please take away what was coming. Jesus understood the struggle, the scary possibility of what was to come, the uncertainty of what would happen to carry all of our burdens onto the cross and face the agony of death. Hebrews 12.2 says, For the joy set before him, He endured the cross. For the joy set before Jesus, Jesus endured the cross. It was a horrible thing to have to suffer through. Yet joy was set before him because he knew what the gospel meant to everyone. What a joy it would be to give those who feel like they don't belong, that they are not enough, and they are flawed with cracks. 
The joy of uniting people together here on earth because of his death allows us to continue into eternity. The joy of enduring the cross so that our struggles are only on this side of heaven. He fully knew the joy set before him. So as we go into this week, remember, you are true and you are worthy. Encourage that to yourself and to others you meet. Find some space this week to build up your unity with him and in your community. Your struggle, it is very real. And the Christian life, it is not going to be an easy one. But we can have the joy that knowing that this is not the end. That whatever happens, that we can be part of a community that carries our burdens together with him.